Amen. Thank you, Dr. Bloom. Well, turn in your Bible tonight, if you would please, to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter number 22. And with the help of the Lord, I want to read just one verse of Scripture tonight and use that single verse of Scripture as the key text of my message this evening. I love, I appreciate uh, Dr. Andy Bloom. I appreciate his many, many years of faithfulness here. I believe, I'm trusting that the greatest days of ministry for Central Baptist Church would still be yet to come. I believe that as you follow Dr. Bloom's faith, he'll certainly lead you to greener pastors in the days to come. Appreciate Mrs. Bloom. Appreciate their faithfulness to the Lord and to the call of God on their lives. And I certainly appreciate the staff of Central Baptist Church. My, you have gone out of your way to make us feel welcome. We are just overwhelmed with your kindness and your generosity. And uh, we're looking forward to the fashion show Sunday night. Should the Lord's Day is coming. It's, uh, you, you had to been there today. Maybe they caught it on the video. I don't know. But Dr. Bloom showed us how we need to walk across the platform for the fashion show Sunday night. So you got to be here. We've got to make him model the way that he, we should walk across the platform. You know, Saturday at the breakfast, we're supposed to tell a little story. I could tell a little story that happened tonight. Uh, Cassie and I were down here at, at our table, and we have so enjoyed getting to talk to you and getting to know you a little bit better. And I told Cassie, I said, you know, I need to... I need to find a restroom somewhere around here and get along with the Lord. And I always like to just pray before I come to the platform. And so, you, you know, this place is like a maze. If you've been here week after week, it's probably not that way to you. But I just thought, well, you know, there's a door over there. I'll just walk through that door. And I know it must go upstairs. And I can go to that door over there and end up, I know there's a restroom over there. And so if I can do that, that way it'll save me from having to walk around here. I'll just walk up. Well, I'll get a little exercise at the same time. So I walked up and walked up the stairs and went all the way to that exit over there and discovered that I couldn't go across or, you know, because that door locks up there. So there was nowhere else to go but down. And so I went down and I discovered that empty abyss over there in the corner. <laughs> and I thought, well, what do I do here? And I thought, well, right there's a door. Well, I opened that door, and it's got the barricade back there, and it's that door that says, do not enter. And so I thought, man, this is embarrassing, but i got to walk right by these same people again. So I climbed the stairs, come, come right up, uh, walked down the stairs again, and come out where Dr. Bloom was standing there. I said, uh, Dr. Bloom, where's the nearest restroom? I thought he'd point over here to this one. He said, oh, no, no, come with me. So he led me through this door. And I don't know, if, he, if you'd ever been in that door, you ought to go in that door. It's worth going. I went in that door. He took me up a set of other stairs. Now, this is another set of stairs. How in the world did he get out? So he took me up these stairs and led me to this back hall over here. And I said, Dr. Bloom, I, I'm telling you, you could get lost in this place. He said, oh, no, you can't. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen. <laughs> that is Dr. Andy Bloom. I'll tell you something, you can believe right, you can have the right kind of doctrine, the right kind of standards, and still smile and not be afraid to laugh. And your pastor is the epitome of such standards, and I appreciate that. And I love Dr. Andy Bloom. He always kids us about going to racetrack. 
you know, he kids us that they're going to take us to racetrack to eat. I'll tell you something, I love racetrack. Don't tempt me with good things like that. I love, hey, you can't, believe, you can't beat roller food, amen. If you want roller food, you've got to go to the racetrack. And so what a blessing. We may go before the week's up. I may be able to take him one day. I hope so. Have you found your place in the book of Revelation? Everyone that had a part in the parade of nations, I turned to my wife. I had Jesus measles on my arm. And I said, do you know, do you have any idea the amount of time and effort and preparation and dedication to excellence that went in to that presentation tonight? From the bottom of my heart, thank you for the time and the effort that you put into that presentation. Thank you for keeping the standard high. And what I mean by that is this. Anything that's done for the cause of Christ, it ought to be done right. It ought to be done first class. Our God deserves that. And I want you to know these young people and those that were in charge of them, helping them prepare for the parade of nations, they gave us their best tonight. And I think it would be appropriate. You, you have clapped for a few things tonight. Can we clap for everyone that had a part in the parade of nations tonight? Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, Brother Saunders, I'm so thrilled that God has raised up a man of the talent and the ability and the passion of Brother Alan Saunders and his wife, Miss Patty, to rescue churches all over the United States of America. I don't know if you heard all of those statistics, but what he said was true. For every church we plant in America... Mm, for every church we plant in America, we lose four. There is a great need for church rescue in America. Preacher, thank you for your burden. I'm thrilled to be able to help the Saunders family do what God has put in their heart to do. Have you found your place in Revelation chapter 22? If so, would you please stand? Revelation chapter number 22. And with the help of the Lord, I want to read just one verse of scripture tonight. Dr. Bloom, earlier we had the parade of nations, and with the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach on this thought, God's invitation to the nations. Now, I want to encourage you to be here tomorrow night. Should the Lord stay His coming, Lord willing, tomorrow night, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And I'll take my Bible and preach on the thought, powerful principles concerning giving by faith. It's right here in the Word of God. Faith promised missions giving. It's not Dr. Bloom's idea. It's not my idea. It's God's idea. And Lord willing, tomorrow night we'll have a great time studying the Bible together in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. But I could not get away from just one verse of Scripture tonight that I want to zero in on for just a very few moments. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. The Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. 
And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. With the help of the Lord tonight, I'm preaching on the thought, God's invitation to the nations. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, my how my heart has been stirred for the great need of reaching the world with the gospel tonight. Now, I pray that you would use the preaching of your inspired, inerrant, infallible word to do much more than just challenge us. My Father, I pray you'd change us that we may be more like thee. May we leave with a greater burden to reach the world with the gospel than we've ever had before. And I'll give you glory and honor. Lord, I'm nothing without thee. Would you help me tonight? Would you empower me to do what you have called me to do? Make a preacher out of me tonight. I pray you would. And I'll give you glory and honor for truly thou art worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Of course, this final book of the Bible is called The Revelation, which of course stems from the Greek word apocalypse and simply means an unveiling. The word literally means to show or to expose to view as the unveiling of a painting or a work of art is a revelation. This then, according to Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 1, is the revelation of none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. I love reading and studying the Bible, and when you study the Word of God, you'll discover that there is a key of every book of the Bible which in turn unlocks our understanding to that particular book of the Word of God. Well, the key that unlocks our understanding to the book of the Revelation is actually hung at the front door of the book. Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 19, the Lord speaks to John and says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Here in this single verse of Scripture, you and I are given the structure to the entire book of the Revelation. In chapter number 1, John really did write about the things which he had seen. In chapters num numbers 2 and 3, he wrote to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And while doing so, John wrote about the things which were at that present moment. And then in the final chapters of the book, namely Revelation chapter number 4 through Revelation chapter 22, John was inspired of the Holy Spirit of God to write about the things which shall be hereafter. That is to say, these are the events in chapters 4 through 22 that will begin after the church has been raptured from the earth and after the church age has come to a close. One Bible commentator has insightfully stated of the final chapter of the book of the Revelation. The last verses of this last book of Scripture are like the final movement of some great concerto in which we hear all the instruments of the orchestra swelling with a flood of triumph. I say amen to that because such is the case here in Revelation chapter number 22. In fact, by the time we reach the time frame of our text here in this chapter, the revelation has taken us from the days of the early church in the past all the way into eternity in the future. 
The Lord, through the prophetic pen of John the Beloved, has shown us how the church age will end. He has shown us what will follow when the church is raptured from the earth, how there will not only be tribulation on the earth, but jubilation and glory as you and I who are saved finally see the Lord Jesus. However, by the time we reach this final chapter in God's inspired word, God, according to the text, has just one more thing that he wanted to get across to whosoever. I mean, Dr. Bloom, it's almost as if John, as he prepared to lay his pen aside and cease from writing, it's almost like the Holy Spirit of God said, Wait just a minute, John. Don't be through just yet. There's a few more things that I'd like to say. Keep writing. It is at least a portion of these last few things that I was impressed of the Lord this afternoon to call your attention to. A few last things from Revelation chapter 22. First of all, if you'll notice in verses 20 through 21, here we see a last word. God, through the pen of John the Beloved, speaks one last time of grace in verse 21, but then he speaks one last time of glory in verse 20 by saying, Even so come, Lord Jesus. In verses 20 and 21, you and I see a last word. In verses 18 and 19, we see a last warning. Look at verses 18 and 19. John writes, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Yes, in verses 18 and 19, you and I are seeing a last Warning, a last word, verses 20 and 21, a last warning, verses 17, at verses 18 and 19. But then notice our key text tonight. Here in verse number 17 of this, the 22nd chapter of the book of the Revelations, we see another last thing here in the Word of God. Here in this single verse of Scripture, you and I see a last welcome. The Bible says in verse 17 tonight, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now many times in the preceding 26 books of the New Testament of the Word of God, God through the pen of the writers has invited and in fact welcomed mankind as a whole to come to his well of salvation. But now, just one more time before the canon of Scripture comes to a close, God does so again. Yes, here I see in the text a last welcome. In fact, I believe as you and I study this single verse of Scripture, we'll discover that it is actually with, packed with what some have called one of heaven's favorite words. It is the word 
come. Do you see it in the text? I personally believe, Dr. Satterfield, that it's one of the greatest words in all of the Bible. It is the word come, I believe. It is one of the grandest words in all of the Bible. It was first heard in the days of Noah when God was about to pour out his wrath on a world that had rejected him. After Noah had completed the ark and salvation was provided, God stepped inside that ark, turned to Noah. And do you remember what God said? God said come. And over and over again throughout the pages of the canon of scripture God gives the invitation for man to come unto him for their soul's salvation. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. John chapter 6 latter portion of verse 37 him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out and now one more time just one more time before John laid his prophetic pen aside just one more time before concluding the canon of scripture the Holy Spirit of God inspires the word come not just once not even two times but no less than three times God makes an invitation he extends an invitation to the nations of this planet. God says come in spite of the sinners we are. God says come in spite of the mess we have made. God says come in spite of the failures we have suffered. God's invitation to the nations tonight. Come. Notice just a few things before we dismiss this evening about God's invitation to the nations. First of all, notice number one, the exhortation of the invitation. As you and I begin to dig into the truth of this single verse of Scripture, we will inevitably discover that John writes of two different groups that are exhorted to proclaim God's invitation for mankind to come unto Him for their soul's salvation. The exhortation of the invitation. First of all, notice the text. The Spirit is exhorted to proclaim God's invitation to come. The Bible is abundantly clear. The work of the Holy Spirit is not only to comfort and to confirm the saint, but the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the sinner. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in our key text tonight, the Spirit, who? The Spirit and the bride say come. Do you remember the words of our Savior in the Gospel of John chapter number 6 and verse number 44? Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I want you to know it is impossible to adequately describe Bible salvation without describing the convicting power, the wooing power, the drawing power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit is admonished. The Spirit is exhorted. And therefore the Spirit says, 
come. And the reason I get a little excited when I talk about the Spirit saying come is because I remember the day that He invited me to come unto the Lord. Now please, whatever you do, don't misunderstand. I am Baptist born and Baptist bred, and when I die, I'm going to be Baptist dead. But you cannot deny what this Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit of God. All the work of the third person of the Trinity, all the work in world evangelism, the Spirit says come. Thank God for the exhortation to the nations tonight. The Spirit, as I stand and preach the Word of God tonight, there is only so much that I can do. But after I have done my very dead level best, I must rely on He, the Holy Spirit of God, to take the sword of the Spirit and convict you with His teaching. Thank God for the Spirit. Mm. The Spirit is exhorted to proclaim God's invitation to come. Let me say this and I'll move on right here. I I, I don't want to get bogged down. This is really a two-part series, a three-part, a four-part series of messages. But let me just say this in passing. I don't want to get bogged down right here. But it is impossible to overemphasize Uh, what the Spirit is used of God to do in the work of God. Should we do our best? Absolutely. Should we prepare? Should we plan? Absolutely. But there comes a time when we have to put it in God's hands and there comes a time when we have to trust the Lord to exhort His Spirit uh, to beckon sinners who are lost and undone without Christ and on their way to hell to come unto the Lord for their soul's salvation. Thank God for He, the Spirit of God. Wouldn't it be a different day in our ministries? if we'd learn to operate in the power of the Spirit as opposed to the power of our flesh. I tell you, there's a lot more work that would be accomplished for God if we just leave it with the Lord. Do all that we can, do the best we can, and leave it with the Lord. Oh, the exhortation. The Spirit is exhorted to proclaim God's invitation. But wait a minute. Not only the Spirit. The saved are exhorted to proclaim God's invitation to come. Now listen to me, child of God. That's you and that's me. I say that because according to our key text, not only the Spirit, but the Spirit, what does your Bible say? Verse 17, and the bride. That's us, child of God. That's those of us who are saved. In fact, God, through the pen of John the Beloved, so wanted to drive the point of the saved, proclaiming his invitation for mankind to come to Christ, that he not only mentioned us once, he mentioned us twice in this single verse of Scripture. 
If you'll look at verse 17, he not only addresses the bride of Christ, but he specifically addresses those that heareth God's invitation to come as well. Those same people are exhorted to extend God's invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all of my heart, this too speaks of those of us who are saved. Because see, when you see that word heareth in the text, you'll discover that word heareth implies a welcomed reception to the message. Hey, do you remember the day when you welcomed, you received the message of the Lord Jesus Christ with open arms? I want to tell you, if you're saved tonight, by the good grace of God, you remember such a time. Well, those of us who are a part of the family of God, not just once, but no less than twice, God says, I want to use you. I want to use you to extend this invitation to the people of Nepal. To extend this invitation, Dr. Satterfield, I want to use you and Miss Jennifer and those precious children to extend the invitation to the people of Canada, to the people of Greenland. Brother Sutton, I want to use you, God says. That's what he's saying right here in the text. I want to use you to extend my invitation to come and be saved to the people of Nicaragua, the Spirit and the Bride. God says, come. God wants to use you to extend this invitation to your lost neighbor, to your lost classmate, to your lost co-worker, to your lost friend, the Spirit and the Bride, those that have welcomed the reception themselves. God wants to use each of us to extend the invitation. So we see the exhortation of the invitation. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Secondly, notice the extent of the invitation. First of all, here in the key text, God extends this life-changing invitation to the individual that is athirst. Do you see it? John writes in the text, and let him that is a thirst come. Oh, and may God help us to realize afresh and anew tonight as we go about our business in this spiritually barren desert in which we are living. It was none other than our Savior, the Lord Jesus, that said in the chapter that I preached from last evening, John chapter 6 and verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Oh, the extent of the invitation. God extends this invitation to the individual that is a thirst. But then God wanted to make it abundantly clear that we understood this invitation included absolutely everybody. And so he takes the extent of the invitation to yet another level. According to the text, he not only extends this invitation to those who are athirst, but as he goes on in verse 17, one last time, he wants the people of the world to know that he extends this invitation to absolutely anybody. John, the revelator, penned these words. 
in verse 17. And let him that is a first come. Watch your Bible. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now, let's take two minutes right here and do a little bit of Bible study, can we? Here's what I like to call the place in my Bible where the sovereignty of God meets the grace of God. Now, you don't have to be nervous about me using that word sovereign because we serve a sovereign God. That word sovereign, you don't have to be scared of that word. Don't you let the Calvinists rob you of the truth of the word sovereign. That word sovereign, it simply means all-powerful. That's what it means. All-powerful. If you believe we serve an all-powerful God, would you say amen? you better believe you can believe in the sovereignty of God and still believe in a whosoever gospel. Notice what your text says. The words whosoever will in the text simply implies that whereas Jesus died for both the whosoever wills as well as the whosoever wants, it is only those who take of the water of life freely that experiences true salvation. That's Bible doctrine. Now, again, I'm not going to get bogged down right here, but let, let, let me just say it like this. Whosoever will. Jesus died for whosoever will. Jesus died for whosoever wants. But there's something, listen, there's something when you read and study your Bible that God sacredly guards all throughout the canon of Scripture. You want to know what it is? Your will and my will. It's very simple. God's not going to force you to be saved. He's not. Does he extend the invitation? Yes. But God's not going to force you to accept it. That's why even though Jesus died for whosoever won't, not everybody will experience salvation. Who will experience salvation by the call? The whosoever's that will accept God's free offer of salvation, turn from their sin to the Savior, trusting Him and His shed blood alone as entrance into heaven. Again, I like to call it the place in my Bible where the sovereignty of God meets the grace of God. God isn't going to force you to be saved. And by the way, God isn't going to force you to serve Him after you've been saved. He wants your thirst to be quenched because you have reached out and because you, having realized your need of a Savior, have taken of the water of life. Do you know what that means? I'll tell you what that means. It means you want Him more than you want your sin. It means you want Him. It means you want the eternal more than you want the temporary appeasement of your flesh. The extent of the invitation 
salvation. God wanted to make sure that you knew that he loved you so much that he sent his only son and his son shed every drop of his precious, personal, powerful blood on Golgotha's hill so not a single individual in this building, not a single individual in the state of Florida, not a single individual in the world will have to die in their sin and go to hell. But through him and through him alone, they can have life and have it more abundantly. God extends the invitation to whosoever. One other thing, we see the exhortation of the invitation. The spirit and the bride say come. We see the extent of the invitation. But finally, look with me in verse 17 once again. Here we see the expense of the invitation. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life. Somebody say that next word for me. Oh, you can do better than that. Say it once again in unison, would you? Freely. How can that be? How can it be that human beings such as you and I, sinful, oh, people that have fallen short of God's glory, how in the world could we partake of the water of life freely? Oh, we can take of the water of life freely because the price has already been paid. I'll close with this true illustration. If I wouldn't so dignified, I'd stop right there and say hallelujah. But since I'm so dignified, I won't do that. I'm talking about the expense, brother son. Free, let him take of the water. That's life-giving water. That's life-changing water. Let him partake of the water of life. Brother Peter, freely. I want you to know something tonight. Salvation is free, but it certainly wasn't cheap. The reason why it is offered freely to whosoever tonight is because Jesus went to Calvary. Jesus shed his blood so that through Christ's blood the world could have life more abundantly. Can I drive this point home? It was when I was pastoring my second church. I pastored three churches in 21 years. It was when I was pastoring my second church. I pastored the Calvary Baptist Church of Statesville, North Carolina. My first church was the Island Fort, and they know, they hear me say this all the time. We make fun of the way I say this. Uh, they'll prob- they're probably watching online right now. My first church was the Island Ford Baptist Church of Jonesville, North Carolina. That's where I first met Brother Saunders. He was a part of our first missions conference 149 years ago. And so when God moved me, Dr. Bloom, from the Island Ford Baptist Church of Jonesville, North Carolina, to the Calvary Baptist Church of uh, Calvary Baptist Church of Statesville, North Carolina, I left because of sickness reasons. They were sick of me, and I was sick of them. 
So I hung a sign on the door of the parsonage, thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore. Amen. So I left. Now some of y'all, I'm just kidding. Boy, so many people take this stuff real serious. I'm just trying to find, follow the faith of your man of God who told me you can't lose your salvation. If you could lose your salvation, you'd lose it in this maze around here. I guarantee you that. Now God moved me after seeing the Lord do a, a great deal of things for seven years at the Calvary Baptist Church of Statesville, North Carolina to uh, the Canaan Baptist Church of Covington, Georgia. That's where I met Dr. Satterfield and, and I served there as the pastor for 12 years and nine of those years I served with Dr. Satterfield. Nine years we were on staff together and nine years we never had a cross word. Now that may end tonight. I don't know that it will, but it may. But I think it was when I was pastor in my second church. I can't remember. It might have been a birthday. It might have been a pastor appreciation day. I can't remember. Someone gave me and my family a gift certificate to the K&W cafeteria. Now, I love the K&W cafeteria. I don't know if you folks have K&W cafeteria. You don't have K&W cafeterias? Listen, they say you know you're getting old when you wake up one morning and you have fallen in love with the K&W cafeteria because K&W stands for Canes and Walkers. That's where all the old folks go to eat. That and racetrack along with Dr. Blue. But someone had purchased a gift certificate, Brother Fury, for the K&W cafeteria. Now, I love the K&W cafeteria, but let me just go ahead and give you a little heads up. If someone ever gives you a gift certificate to the K&W cafeteria, they got these ladies that work the line and they wear these hairnets. You better know what you want to eat before you get up there because they're fixing to chew you out if you don't. Every time we went to the A&W cafeteria, me and Cassie get nervous. We'd have to spend time in prayer because we knew those little old ladies with the hairnets, they were waiting on us. <laughs> By the way, a little sub-note here. I was preaching in North Carolina not long ago and I was talking about those little old ladies with the hairnets. After the service is over, the preacher said, Hey, Brother Caudill, I want you to meet one of those little old ladies with the hairnets. And I said, well, I'm glad to know that not all of them are like what I was talking about tonight. But, so when you go to the K&W, you better know what you want. So we knew what we want that day. We had the gift certificate in hand, and praise God, we are excited about going to the K&W. And so the way it works at the K&W cafeteria, you get all your food, you go down to the line, there's a kind lady waiting at the end of that line, and she figures up your bill. When you get through... Getting all of your food, she hands you a bill for the debt you had acquired. Now that's your debt, right? You picked out your food, you've got your drink, you've got your bread, you've got your dessert, whatever you have. She's figured up the debt that you owe and she presents you with that bill and says to you, sir, you owe, and she gives you the amount. Well, the way it works with the K&W, you don't pay right then. You sit down and you enjoy your meal, but when you finish your meal, there's one more little old lady you got to go by, and that's the lady without the hairnet that's working the cash register. So after we finished the meal, Cassie and I went up to pay to settle the debt 
we had acquired. She looked at the bill. She said, sir, that will be. And she gave me the amount of the debt that we owed. That was my debt, Brother Peter. It was my debt, Miss Cherie. That was my debt. But then I took out the gift certificate where someone else had already taken care of the bill for me. I'm feeling Jesus measles on my arm at this point in the story. I presented the kind lady without the hairnet at the cash register the gift certificate where someone had completely covered the debt that was owed. I'll never forget what she did. She took out a rubber stamp and she dipped it in a red ink pad and she stamped that bill with a word in red that read, Redeemed. Redeemed. And boy, as soon as she stamped that bill, God brought these words to my remembrance. Redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, I can partake of this water of life freely. Not because it was cheap, but because Jesus has already paid the price. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, listen, the expense of the invitation. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely because Jesus paid it all all to him I owe God's invitation to the nations is come you've listened so well would you bow your head with me oh